not a silent episode. No. <laughs> Please, no. That you doesn't have, make for a good podcast. You have to talk the entire time, and I only give you facial reactions, but then you have to read <laughs> I have back. to describe. Or, or in, just interpret in your response. <laughs> Welcome to the Survivor Turning Back Time podcast, the only Survivor podcast that heard you like fish. So I marinated your fish in fish so you could have fish with your fish while you fish. So I I drank last night and played video games. <laughs> okay. So I had like a couple... I, I ended up getting a little hungover, not because I got super drunk, but because I had a bad sugar night. Mm-hmm. And so it's more of a diabetic hangover than an alcohol hangover. Sure. But actually has kind of similar effects, especially like being dehydrated, having an upset stomach. And I watched that episode this morning and I almost vomited. Cool. I had a thing planned for this episode that you might not like here in a hot second. I'm your host, Stephen Levine, with my co-host, Jared Sheldon. Jared, what what horrors await you? Paramount Plus. Okay. okay. Tell, tell, tell me more. Mm-hmm. Yep. Paramount. If somebody, if by some miracle, there's an intern or entry-level employee that somehow stumbled upon this podcast and likes us, <laughs> please, for the love of God, God, fix your app. I, my iPhone, I usually wait a long time to update my iPhone. This time I did it by mistake. I started updating. I was like, fuck, okay, whatever. I don't really like new iOS update. I don't care. But ever since then, there is no option for me to cast Paramount Plus on my Chromecast. So I've tried a bunch of different things. I have, re- I have gone as far as uninstalling the app and reinstalling it. It just seems like for whatever reason... Paramount's app does not let you Chromecast on the newest iOS update. Mm. So I have to play it from my computer and cast it from there. Except they spoil things in the episode descriptions (laughs) that are now the first in giant big text on my computer screen. And this one is like a sentence long and tells you who wins the challenges. Yeah. And it's, it's so hard to not accidentally read a one-sentence spoiler in the middle of your screen on a format that you're not familiar with because you play it from your phone. Paramount, fix your goddamn app! They refuse. They, they actively do not want people to be using it is the only <laughs> thing I can think of. Like, there's an engineer that's, like, pushing things to production that's just like, fuck this company, man. Yeah. Hey, you know what? We could get more money if it worked well. No, 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 no. Hold on. Here's another idea. What if we just didn't? What if he built it wrong as a joke? Yeah. And then we released it on the Super Bowl, so no one can watch the Super Bowl. That will forever make me angry. Insane. Fucking fucking Paramount Plus. It reminds me of the Epic Games Store when it first sold out, and kind of still now, where it's like, oh, we have to get in, and we have to, like, try to, like, be the competitor. Uh Uh-huh. But we're not going to make it good, though. No, 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 no. <laughs> I refuse. We're going to make it have, like, good basic features. <laughs> it is... I, I I really hate the divestment of all the streaming apps, but... Man. This... Like, it's so bad. Yeah. It's so bad. It is bad. I... <laughs> I... On and off, I had money to do it, so it wasn't a big deal, but I was like... All right, my parents are coming to town. We're going to watch the Vikings lose in the playoffs. And you did. And we did. And the so I'm like, okay, I'm going to get a month of YouTube TV. Oh, okay. And just like have it for the playoffs and it'll be great. But I'm just like, oh, man. Even even on that, most of the channels are crap. And you can't really use it the way that like, oh, I have so many other shows that I want to watch. There's no good way to watch the things that you want to watch anymore. Oh, yes, there is. Okay. Jared, if, I mean, okay. Jared has his own ideas. I am, I will go on record saying we do not support the uh, sailing the high seas, but Jared does. If you're going to make it difficult for me to obtain the media I want to obtain, I will find an easier solution. I will pay for it. If you make it easy to access. Yeah. I, I do long for the olden days of early Netflix when they had just had everything. 
It was great. That was the only place you could go to for online streaming. Or the other sites were free. Yeah. They're still free sites. <laughs> a peek behind the curtain. Behind me, Jared. Do you, uh, do you notice anything different? Uh, BB still looks as sexy as ever. That's true. BB does sit behind us, as always. <laughs> Look at Popping up. But no, I'm putting up my, uh, my, my panels, yeah. my soundproof panels, and they're kind of cool. Don't let us know if you think it makes a difference. Yeah, I'm hoping to cut some, some reverb out of our voices. You Especially might... mine, because I face you. You're closer to the I'm, wall. Yeah, closer to the wall. Yeah, it, it makes sense, but we're, we're, we're trying. We're in a smaller room. I'm doing what I can with the limited resources that I have. Also peek behind the curtain. And I've mentioned on a couple episodes, if you didn't listen to our bonus episode, that's fine. It's it's for it's, fun. I mean, is. all of this is for fun. But it's a goofy. If you're like, no, I want to listen to the Survivor episodes and not the bonus episodes, totally understand. Yeah. Uh, but I did say on the bonus episode, my life is a, like, fucking top-tier dumpster fire right now. <laughs> so we're, we take long breaks between recording. Like, I'm basically only able to give Stephen my time once a week. Yeah. I bet on Stephen withdrawals. Aww. So I just watched Steven Universe and that fills the void. Nice. Uh, you have to have enough Steven in your life. It's true. Get get some Steven in your life. <laughs> but yeah, and, and like things are good, but like if emails like seem like there's longer breaks between them and we're not getting to emails or like we're, we're always doing episodes back to back. So basically we'll only be able to answer emails every other episode. Yeah. And this this will be a weird one because the first episode of the season hasn't come out yet. Yeah. So we don't have any emails yet from episode one. So you won't get that till episode four, which is going to be very strange. But keep sending it in. If you <laughs> if you need more Stephen in your life, send us some emails. I will be much more responsive at sending emails and saying, "Hey, we got this. We promise it's coming." If you need more Jared in your life, too bad. Yeah, it's too bad. <laughs> I can't give any more. Jared's a little busy. <laughs> uh, starting mid February, it gets easier. Yeah, or end of February. Yeah. But we're oh. still in January. We are. I mean, and it's going to get worse before it gets better. That's a good point. I have a callback on Sunday, so... Hey, what for? I love you, you're perfect, now change. Which is a dated show. Yeah. So... I know a lot of people that got called back for that show. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that doesn't make me feel better. Well, the other, all the other people I know are women, so you're not competing directly against hey. them. Hey! <laughs> got them. <sighs> Shall we move on to the episode? Yeah, I guess so. Did you like my bumper in the bonus episode? I did. I did. Pew, 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 pew. I, I had to think it through because I was like, okay, I have to make this not sound realistic in case someone is like in a car, but it has to be, get the point across of what we wanted. If I'm listening to something and there is a realistic like car crash sound or police siren, I will never listen to it again yeah. because I am driving and you have now set off my fight or fight instinct. Yeah. I, we will fight. That is Correct. it. Only fighting. Yes. Only bumpers. And despite doing the show now for seven months, or six months, or whatever, I still do not pull up the things ahead of time. Where's the fun in that? Yeah. Okay. So, this episode came out on March 7th of 2002. Uh, this was a pretty active week in the world, at least... There's interesting things to talk about, at the very least. So, uh, between last episode and this episode. The first one is, Citizens of Switzerland narrowly vote in favor of their country becoming a member of the United Nations. Oh. First of all, didn't know that was optional. Like, I kind of just thought, because, like, every country is a member of the United Nations. Sure. I, I Obviously, it's optional. But, like, North Korea is a member. So, I kind of just thought it was, like, yeah, we're like, representation is better than no representation, even in what is essentially a kind of useless body. But I want to talk about Switzerland. Okay. You did not expect this. I didn't. I didn't expect the hard takes on Switzerland today. What do you think of when you think of Switzerland, Stephen? I mean, the the generic everyone thinks of is neutrality. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming you're going to come and swoop that out of me. Neutrality between what? Between themselves and anyone around them. Sure. Uh, what era are they are they uh, highlighted for being neutral in? Probably World War II, I would think, or World right. War One. So how do you feel... About neutrality between Nazis and people fighting Nazis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the, the thing is, Switzerland, all of... there's There was a lot of work done to sort of tidy up the image of 
the Nazis and the people that helped the Nazis after sure. the war. I, I could go on and on about the clean Wehrmacht theory that it's like, oh yeah, they were just soldiers fighting for their country and they didn't know any better and that's all bullshit. Yoink! But Switzerland specifically is like, yeah, no, that's where they did money laundering. Like, that's where... Switzerland? Well, no, that's where, like, the Nazis sent all their money. I guess laundering's not the right word, but, like... Sure. They were neutral because it, there was a... F what do we call people that, when faced with the greatest evil that we have known in hundreds of years, stays neutral so that they can financially benefit off of it? The Republican Party? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the Republican Party would be the Nazis, but... Um, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll get off my rant now. I just... It drives me crazy that, like, we think of, like, Switzerland's neutrality as generally being, like, a good thing. And this just made me think of it of, like, yeah, you guys are, like, you don't want to be part of the United Nations up until 2002 because you want to stay neutral and be a, be the bank for all of the bad places. That's the thing, isn't it? It's all about the money. Mm -hmm. It's, hey, we can benefit by not taking a side and everyone giving us their money. Yeah, that's called evil. <laughs> that's Capital called real fucking evil. Capitalism. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, anyway... Canada bans human embryo cloning. D didn't know that was an option we had. Uh, but permits government-funded scientists to use embryos left over from fertility treatments or abortions. I mean, that's that's a... Uh, it's a political difference in that, like, yes, they recently had cloned Dolly the Sheep. So they're like, oh, hey, yeah. we, need to, we need to take a moral line on this. Are we allowing the idea of cloning a human? Or is an em like? Is, an, is cloning an embryo, like, is that cloning a human? Which, like, for... I mean, that's kind of what you have to do, is cloning an embryo. Sure. I, yeah, I don't know if you can clone, like, a... You can't just take a piece of me and clone Fair. me. Well, I mean, but if... You could take a... I don't know about... Like, if science could take a piece of you and clone into an embryo... I'm talking about, like, embryo-to-embryo -embryo cloning. Sure, sure. That's a weird sci-fi question that had to be talked about in march 4th of 20 or of 2002 yeah canada had to put a law out there and for like purposes i mean hey we're getting into hot takes we're writing the episode <laughs> like for the purposes of abortion like i don't believe in embryos a person but in the in terms of cloning like i that's a i don't know man i don't know my cloning ethics the war in Afghanistan is going okay. <laughs> there you go. Seven American special operations forces are killed as they attempt to infiltrate a valley with a low-flying helicopter reconnaissance mission. I remember this. Okay. I remember this being, like, a big deal. Like, I remember being driven to school and, like, hearing this on the news and it being, like, a big deal. That, like, this, I don't know if this was the first time that soldiers were killed, but maybe it was the first time, like, more than one. I don't know, but uh, I remember that being, like, a really big deal in terms of, like, American lives being lost in Afghanistan. And then, in, on a lighter note, the American TV reality program The Osbournes <laughs> premiered. Sharon! Sharon! The top song of the week is still Ain't It Funny by Jennifer Lopez featuring Ja Rule. And the box office is still full of clunkers. The top, it's Star Starring from Five, Queen of the Damned, Dragonfly, John Q, 40 Days and 40 Nights, which is, I've, I've heard's okay. And then We Were Soldiers. I don't know what that is either. I looked it up. <laughs> it's it's a war propaganda movie. Sure. It's about Vietnam. It's about, like, the first major battle between the United States and the North Vietnamese. It stars Mel Gibson. Why, why am I not surprised? I can't... I, this is... It's propaganda. Sure. <laughs> we, we were forced about a lot of propaganda in 2002. And think about what we talked about, like in the first season, like, what was going on in the world in the first seasons of Survivor, and how much different, like, the media is. Like, how much different, like, the songs... We didn't talk about movies in the first season, but even from, like, season two and three to now. Wild. U.S. nationalism at an all-time high. Ooh, we'll talk about nationalism this episode. Oh, there you go. Alright, we're into the episode. Episode two, Nacho Mama, which we, we did take a moment of, oh, I get that now. Terrible episode. Ter oh, terrible episode? Oh, sorry, sorry. Terrible episode, terrible episode title. Okay. Good episode. Good episode. Good episode. Good episode. <laughs> All right. We, we open the episode at row two. We have a massage train going on. Kumbaya. Everything's great over at the row two tribe. People are embracing it. They, we have the love shack, I guess, is what they're calling it. But Kathy doesn't want to be part of the love shack. No. Kathy. Yeah, kumbaya minus Kathy. We have we have discovered that Kathy does not fit into this loving embrace of seven people 
cuddling under a rickety shelter. Well, and I, I think I said it last episode, but if I had to spend more than like five minutes with Kathy, I would walk into the ocean and never return. <laughs> she needs to learn that like you can be right. Like she's right a lot of times in the episode about what needs to be done. Yeah. You can be right and still be an asshole. Yeah. And if you're an asshole, people don't care if you're right. <laughs> you're not wrong here. And we see a lot of Kathy in this episode yeah. because Kathy is, Kathy has great adventure skills, great, mm-hmm. hey, you're stranded here, let's search for food skills, but makes everyone know that she has these skills and does not let up. And instead of like, we'll get into it, instead of just saying, hey, I did this, here you go, has to make everyone know that she did this. Why didn't they praise me enough? Yeah. Hey, praise me. Praise me. We know Kathy has a praise kink. <laughs> Ooh, go on. No. <laughs> so Kathy sleeps alone by the fire, and everyone is starting to get a little... They're noticing this. I... Listen, I get it. Kathy is insufferable. I don't think it should matter where you sleep. Like, I just want to sleep. I don't yeah. care. Like, sure. Like, if, if... if Maybe there's a necessity for, like, body heat or whatever, but mm-hmm. one person being missing from eight... Not a big deal. No, not at all. So we wake up, we're in the morning, and we're, we we get the first food crisis, really. Yes. Well, and first, uh, people start building different tools and snares and all of that. Yeah, it's... Or as part of that. Yeah, there, there's some very intricate contraptions here that, in concept, are looking great. Yeah, I mean, it's the next Super Bowl. <laughs> I think we've evolved beyond the Super Bowl. I think we have to. Just the quick rundown of those. There was the, there was like a slingshot made mm. out of eyeglasses holders. Yeah. There were spears. There were spear launchers. The spears looked really good. Yeah. I I love the ingenuity that, and which tribe, is this both tribes or was this? This is row two. This is row two. God, wrote, okay. Why are the tribes, why is there, I, I know it's part narrative and maybe it's just stuff we're not seeing, but there's always the golden tribe and the dumpster fire tribe <laughs> ever since season two. What possibly could you mean, Jared? <laughs> Mara Amu is fucking falling apart and Rotu's like back rubs and spears. But I love seeing this kind of like ingenuity and these, I mean, let's be honest. It's, this is a... A bit of like a beach episode for Rotu. Yeah. Because they don't have any conflict, except for Kathy. Except for Kathy. Kathy is the conflict. And I love seeing this type of stuff, and this is the stuff we are missing from Africa. Yeah. Because they couldn't go hunting. No. They couldn't go look for more food. There was no, we'll talk about it in a minute, but there was no fish economy. Being back on the beach and having the fish economy back is clutch. Mwah. Beautiful. Thank you. Yes. But the big contraption that I wanted to highlight was the pig catcher what do they call it the snare snare trap Mm -hmm. yes that's right where if something steps in the snare trap it pulls you by its leg up in the air and you're just stuck in the air until something gets you down yeah genius it was pretty great we also get our like we said we were talking about the struggling here and i'm here's where i start to make a i i need a name because we have rob on the rotu tribe and we have Rob on the Mataamu tribe. Which is why, Boston Rob. Yeah, Boston Rob, guy from Boston on the Mataamu tribe. I'm going to dub this Rob Limo Rob. Okay. He's Limo Driver. I'm going to call him Igor. Igor. <laughs> anyway, Limo Rob slash Igor is struggling for proteins. Yeah, yeah, he's not doing so hot. I don't think he's going to make it that far in this season. He's a big dude, so, yeah. like, I get it. You need you need more sustenance, you need more protein than other people here. But, man, you're three days in. I know. this. You can't be hitting this already. Yeah, so, Igor is not doing very well. And John, I want to talk about the fish economy. Fish economy, very important. This episode feels like we are we are learning the fish economy not as important as it used to be. Because the tribe, Rotu isn't like, oh, we can't get rid of Kathy because she found... Oh, we can't do it. Because she found mussels. Like, they're like, oh, cool, you found those? How'd you find them? Great, now we can vote you off right away. And John thinks if he gets a pig that he'll be set for the final four. <laughs> He's like, you can just set my table for the final four. I'm like, oh, if that's your impression, yikes. Big yikes. So we, we show the food economy's back, 
at over at Mata Amu. We have a, a whole different personality going on here. They're very goofy in this tribe. Yes. If not very inept. Boston Rob and Sean are making fun of Hunter with the morning show. And this is a great moment here. I like the morning show. Yeah. He plays into it. He's like, ah, the weather. Yes, here's the weather. It's great. Rob does the, the food report, talking about pancakes that they're going to have. They don't get any of that, but... No, of course not. He's going to play into it. And then we show Mama Patricia is a workhorse. Yeah. And I think Boston Rob talks about, you know, she's opening up, she's being herself, like she was scared to be herself before. Mm -hmm. I remember if it was him or someone else that talks about that. And like, yeah, it's so much more important to be like genuine and authentic. I, I'm I'm big on just like being polite, but like genuine and authentic most of the time. Mm -hmm. You are around these people 24-7. Yeah. If you think you can fool them into thinking you're somebody that you're not, you're wrong. You're wrong. Like, you can show them your best self, but I don't think you can show them an untrue self and stick around. And I think that's part of the reason why Patricia goes home this episode. Because it, it's very genuine for her at first, and then she starts putting it on. I don't know about that. I think I, I disagree here, and we'll talk about why in a little bit. Okay. We do have some great moments here with Patricia. The sunscreen bit. Oh my god. Entirely. Like she is, she's opening up, she gets Hunter to put sunscreen on her back, and then like opens up to the front, spreading her arms, exposing her breast to him, like, what you gonna come on, do this part too. <laughs> it's like, okay, Mama, take it down we've we take it down a little bit. Miss Tom, please. <laughs> Back at row two, this is where we're finding, Kathy finds the, oh, first, John catches a shrimp and is trying to play the hierarchy card. Like, hey, one shrimp. Ooh, look at that. <laughs> and Kathy finds the mother load of mussels, snails, sea urchins, calls everyone over to, to go get this stuff. And then, was it sea cucumbers? I don't know. There were some weird looking things that I didn't recognize. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that doesn't look appetizing at all. And it's like super patronizingly being like, all right, this is how you do it, and blah, blah, blah. And, like, teaching, good. Patronizing, bad. <laughs> Everyone feels like they're being patronized. Correct. And then they, they go back to camp, and they eat all this stuff. And then one one nice moment out of Kathy's mouth, how blissfully unaware she is. I'm not that hard to get along with. Oh, yes, you are. Oh, Kathy. <laughs> you... And I, I think it's out of a... She has feels the need to prove herself. Yeah. Because she is one of the older ladies, but man. The lady doth protest too much. Yeah, we're, we're trying too hard here. I finally figured out what, like, who Hunter is. Hunter is Rob Lowe's character in Parks and Rec. <laughs> Describe more. Tell me why. Well, I, it's just, he always has that, like, I don't know. Like, you could punch him in the face and be like, yeah, okay, that was, that was pretty good. Punch, you know, you gotta straighten out your arm a little bit there. And really come in, uh, you know, you want to aim a little lower. Like, it's just that... I am literally freaking out right now. Yeah. With a smile. Exactly. I, it's... It was a little endearing. It, it's pretty cute. At Monamu, though, here's where the pile on Patricia starts. Yeah. Everyone's talking about how Patricia's getting a little naggy. I think she's opened up... To the point where she feels comfortable in making these her children. See, yes. And that's... Okay, I guess that that can... That's authentic to her, but not authentic to their relationship. Correct. You also have... You have to... You can't just be... Being your authentic self isn't an excuse to run around and boss people around. I, but she took it as that. She sure did. And she's... We have a whole scene about the tool tree... And oh how if you're using the tools, put them back at this tree. The, the tools here, the whatever on this side. And we sit and watch her as she goes through this. With her, Boston Rob's like, hey, you, you already told me this. I don't need to, see, I don't need to be told again. And like, where's the knife then? Yeah. Oh, no. She continues to tell him. He's like, I don't need to be told. Like, it's fine. It's like, where's the knife? I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't have it. Somebody else has it. It's... Come on, Patricia. It's nuts. And I just want to talk about Boston Rob for a second. I, like I said in episode one, I obviously, I've heard the name before, so I know that he is a 
fan favorite. I don't know anything about him besides that. Mm-hmm. But he is he's he's pretty smart. He's a pretty good game player because he he puts on this affable attitude and kind of plays into the the dumb jock stereotype. Mm-hmm. Like it lets people think that's what he is, but he's he's thinking more about the game than maybe anyone else on his tribe. I'm sure the rest of them are, but we haven't seen it. Yeah, I think his outward persona doesn't necessarily match what he does on the inside of his brain. Yeah, and it's great. Even Sarah, his closest, like the the person that's close to him, probably doesn't see that part of him. Yeah. It's genius. It is genius. He came here to win. I'm sure everyone at this point by season four, except for maybe Sarah, has, has come here to win. But like Boston Rob is strategizing and early, but Mm -hmm. without making, he is the type of strategist that doesn't, that can react rather than feeling the need to always act. Sort of the anti-rich. Remind me to to remind you of those words later in this show that we do. Okay. All right. That transitions into a conversation between Sean and Vesipia. I love this conversation. This is the... I didn't... Ex- I mean, I did because I've seen this before, but... Survivor fans shouldn't expect this great of a conversation in season four. No. How did this get left in? I don't know. It was beautiful. Because <laughs> it transitions from we're not children, and they're talking about how Patricia is using or talking to them as if they were children. And then we go into a beautiful conversation about race and the game. And you and I are not in a place to speak from personal experience on this. Correct. But it was fascinating to learn... Sean is very radical. Mm-hmm. And, and I say that as a good thing. The Sepia calls him a Malcolm X type and that he's, you know, somebody that's, you know, trying to rail against power and all that. And she does not seem to be that type of person. She seems to be much more comfortable with a more, I don't know, nuanced take, more status quo take, small victories, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Whereas Sean seems much more of like a tear it all down type of mentality. And... It is sometimes important for people that are not in those communities to remember that they are also not a monolith. They, there are differences of opinion about how, how they should proceed or act within their own communities, mm-hmm. uh, whatever community that we're talking about in this case, black Americans. It's so cool to see that kind of stuff. Yeah, and it's, it's a very nuanced conversation about, yeah. hey, there are just two of us on, this, on the beach right now. We're talking to each other everyone's over there they could perceive this as we're ganging up we're strategy just because of how we're the two only black people here yeah and they talk about how everyone's everything's perceived differently just because of the color of their skin every game move is different just because of who they are it's like damn and Vesepia didn't seem to agree with him on every point it's true she didn't outwardly and maybe I'm reading it wrong. She didn't outwardly disagree with him, but she would say very neutral things or kind of just let him talk. Yeah. Which is, again, just going back to that whole, like, it's just, it's, it's, it's very interesting to see the, their different perspectives from their similar status or upbringing or community or whatever you want to insert into their, of their lives. Either way, these are two very intelligent, very self-aware. Yeah game players and if they even if they do have two different strategies of how they're going to deal with that it's great to know that this is being talked about in 2002 i know yeah and yet way down the line we still have to have these conversations but important that it's being brought up now and then because survivor cannot do two good things in a row yeah in 2002 immediately goes to the lazy black man we immediately you couldn't have put five minutes between these no we what's wild with this one is that we get a few people like saying oh he's not working as hard as everyone and then we show a conversation about a hunter walking up to him and saying hey can you go get the water like here here's the can to go get water go get the water he's like okay he's, he's finishing his thing He's doing whatever he's doing, and then he picks it up and he goes and does it. But then we immediately have the conversation of, yeah, he's not working as hard. He did the thing that you asked him to. Right. If not, he didn't drop everything he was doing. 
But, like, this isn't a time limit thing. No. You can get the chores done at any point in the day. It Part of it does feel like Sean is not... That there is there is a leadership hierarchy in the tribe mm-hmm. with Hunter at the top of it, and Sean feels outside of it, and 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 I don't know if it's both a social hierarchy and like a work community hierarchy, but it's definitely a work community yeah. hierarchy. And I think they're using lazy, they're using not working as hard. I think they want him. From what we see, and our, we don't see everything, but from what we see, it seems more like want him to take initiative and want him to be part of the group, the working group, rather than having to be told to do every individual thing, which, okay. I think, uh, yeah, from my perspective, it seems like they want him to fall in line to the yes. hunt, hunter hierarchy. Yes. And he doesn't play along the way that others are playing along with that. Do you think, it's a loaded question. Sure. Do you think if Sean was not black that the that it would that he would be perceived as lazy for not wanting to fall into the hierarchy, or would it be something else? I think that you take the black out of the narrative entirely, then the word lazy doesn't come out of anyone's mouth. I agree. I think I mean we, we use the word lazy for Sarah later on. Yes. But I think it's a completely different scale. Agreed. And she admits to it. Yes. So, I... Mm, I don't know, man. It really... And if it if it doesn't come up again this season, then I think I can... That I will be pretty confident in saying that this footage was shoehorned in there in order to soften the Sean Vesepia conversation. Maybe. I don't know. I would not be surprised. I mean, if it comes up again, then... then Okay, yeah. then it, it's probably, you know, and I'm not saying that was a conscious choice, but like, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep going because yes, we're, yes. we're, we're cruising along It's going to be a here. long episode. Yeah, Rob, uh, at the, in the same series, Rob and Sarah go off and people are like, hey, where's Rob and Sarah? And like, we're probably together. It's very clear, hey, these two are a power couple. What do we do about that? Yeah, and... Sarah's kind of useless. Yeah. At least that's the perspective that we are given. They call they call him frickin' frack and Barbie and Ken. It's <laughs> beautiful. I, yeah, those are great. Yeah, and, and Rob has a confessional where he talks about he feels like he's playing Survivor for two. Uh-huh. Like he has a protector and all of this. And that makes it a little sad, both for him and Sarah, because like, girl, have your own agency. Like this is <laughs> this is not a vacation. Why are you're in season four? You've had three other seasons to look at this. You know this is not a vacation by now. Yeah. Insane. And, and Hunter wants Sarah gone. Hunter sees that Sarah is not an asset to the tribe. And maybe if he gets rid of Sarah, then he can kind of coerce Rob back into being a workhorse that he was at the very beginning. Which still, I think they're using... I, I, I have no impression that Rob, that Boston Rob is slacking off. So that, again, feels kind of like falling in line. Yeah. He... Hunter is ex-military. Yeah. Like, Hunter wants a command structure, and it seems like there's quite a few people on his tribe that want a command structure. It's it's weird because he has this era of, like, positivity around him, mm-hmm. but he definitely has the, I need the hierarchy, I need people to fall in line, but with a smile on it. Yeah, toxic positivity. Here's, here's a sticker for you. Yeah. Great. But because of this, this kind of points to how good rob is at boston rob is at understanding the game he talks to sarah about hey you need to work more yeah you need to make sure they not only work you need to make sure that they know you're doing something yeah which is the second person he's talked into maybe going overboard in a situation here yeah unintentionally yeah (laughs) which which i think says more about Patricia and Sarah than it does about Boston Rob. Correct. The way it was taken, uh, <laughs> Rob said it in good ways. Yes. The way it was taken was way out in left field. Yes. Back in row two, a couple of things happened. The trap got set off, but no pig, but they want to refine it, so that's great. However, the important part of this part is Kathy gives a speech and brings in some more food. 
drops it to the ground, but has to call everyone over first to, for her to give a speech. You got that out of order, actually. She has it in a, like, uh, basket. Yes. She doesn't empty the basket until after they've talked for a long time. She's literally holding the food hostage. Okay. I mean, yes, you're absolutely right. What? <laughs> she, she catches the food, but she wants everyone to know that I want a roof over my head. A trick of the fish economy is you can't let people know that you are playing the fish economy. No, she's doing it out in the open and clear to everyone that this is the fish economy. And also, part of what made the fish economy so valuable in seasons one and two is that fishing was hard. Yeah. You are, this is really scavenging economy. You're, you're searching easier. under rocks yeah. to find things, which doesn't take you as long, and you don't have to be as skilled to do it. Anyone no. could go out to where you were and do the same thing. Exactly. Like, yes, you're smart to have known to go look for that, but yeah. you're replaceable here. Mm-hmm. And so her and Gabe get into this massive fight about like, hey, like, I want a roof over my head. I need people to work. I need people to do things. And like, hey, I get that. But we also are humans. We need to get to know each other. We need to take time to learn and grow as a group. I, I think I made Gabe my my Rotu prediction winner. And Sounds right. I, like... I really liked Gabe. He is in this in this conversation. Mm-hmm. Gabe has a really high level of emotional intelligence. Yeah. And he feels like the leader of their tribe without having to be hunter. He feels a little golden boy, but not the I'm going to take charge golden boy. The, yeah. Like, no. oh, no, he's he's a good example of what we want to go on here. Exactly. And he doesn't feel like a Colby or Ethan golden boy either i mean those even those two aren't exactly the same i think he fits more into the ethan archetype than the colby archetype i agree and but even then i think a a, i think a difference between them so far we're in episode two yeah and this is a very small sample size we don't get to see a lot of row two except for the kathy drama in either of these episodes true but it it feels like people came mostly to lex for leadership in season three in that tribe. This feels like people come to Gabriel for both leadership and the like emotional intelligence side of things. So it's like the best parts of Lex and Ethan rolled into one person. That's a very bold statement to make off of this second episode, but that's like, that's the trajectory I see from this episode so far. Okay. So we appease Kathy and make the shelter and we make it better. But, I mean, Kathy threw a fit to get her way, which is... Mm. Yeah, I gotta love it. Gotta love it. And then they put the American flag right up on top. Here's your nationalism, Jared. <sighs> okay, so we're gonna talk... Um, yeah, yep, Jared rant time. Cool. Welcome to the Jared rant corner, where we talk about these systems of power. So, I'm actually gonna go back to the Sean and Vesepia conversation for a second, too. Okay. The the only thing I didn't like in that conversation was the last thing that Sean talked about, which was, well, and on top of all of that, we're both Christians, which is more important than, you know, race, gender, anything else like that. And that statement in and of itself, in a vacuum, there's nothing wrong with. Have you ever heard anyone that, of any other religion, talk like that? No. Now, some of that could be exposure. Sure. We, we, live, in a, we live in a country that is predominantly self-identifies as Christian. Sure. That being said, when you are the power, locally, nationally, or globally, in this case, talking about Christianity in America, or America on the world stage, it is a very difficult line to walk to be openly and loudly proud without being radical and slipping into like really bad gross nationalism yeah now we also talked a lot about what at the beginning of the episode 2002 what's going on in 2002 and i don't think that that is lost on the editors and i don't i I think there's a reason they put this in there they absolutely knew what they were doing it's not a big significant moment in the episode but it's significant that the editors made a point to get it up there yeah Anytime that you as a group are in a power position, 
you and you are saying that that is the most important thing it is very rarely a thing of solidarity because you already have the status for some reason christians in america are obsessed and this goes back to 2002 too or i should say evangelicals are obsessed with thinking they're prosecuted yeah and persecuted yeah and that is there how many fucking churches do you drive by to get to a grocery store like how many christian churches do you drive by to get to a grocery store you are not it just that's the end of the spiel <laughs> it doesn't have a point necessarily but it's just something that always jump like once i've seen that always jumps out at me jared rant over Kind, yeah, kind, kind of, of over. Kind of over. <laughs> it'll it'll probably, some other things will pop back up. It's a very fine line being proud of the power that America has because it is often used to squash critical thinking and try to pretend that we can do nothing wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I like America. It's, it, we, do, we do good things sometimes. We're at, our, we're at our best when we're trying to achieve the things that the people that are blinded by nationalism pretend we already are. Yes. Pride in your country is one thing. Nationalism is knowing that your country is infallible. Yeah. And we are not that. We have made so many mistakes in history and uh, continue to do so. So knowing that is, is the right thing here. Nationalism is a blind obedience because your country has a name. Yeah. Yeah. Pride in nationalism, very... Very fine line. Yeah. And oftentimes in America is way over that line. Cool. We gotta keep going. Okay, okay. Uh, reward challenge. It's a boat in the water. They they sink a boat. <laughs> it's a boat in the water. Boat in the water. They sink a boat. They put rocks in the boat. And they're competing for fishing gear, which is a mask, snorkel, and fins. Still no sling. Yeah. Great that they're giving them fishing gear, but... Didn't they have that in season one? I think so. I don't think it came with the fishing gear kit, though. Oh. I think it was separate. Okay. So, they have to get down, get the rocks out of the boat, get the boat up, and then bring the boat to shore. That's the challenge. I like this challenge. It's a good challenge. It's fun. It's fun to watch. There are some people who are very good at this. Much yes. better than other people. Hunter was really good. Yep. Gabe was really good. Mm-hmm. It looked like Boston Rob was pretty good, but not as good as Gabe and Hunter. Yeah. <laughs> Gabe and Hunter do the majority of the work for the Rotu tribe and then have the bright idea to flip the boat, push the rocks out. Genius. It's great. It's so smart. Instead of waiting for the boat to become light enough, just like, no, put flip the boat. Yeet. Get the rocks out of there. And... They do, and then Boston Rob sees this, and it's like, oh, I gotta do that too. But it's too little too it's late. It's too late, yeah. They, they can't catch up. Rotu wins, and it's the second straight shellacking of the Monohama Of three. Tribe. So of far. Three. <laughs> no, of two. This is two of two. No, I know, but this episode we're gonna get the third one, oh, so, yeah. yeah. You're right. <laughs> so yes, quick, quick through the challenge there. Yeah, there's not a lot to talk about with it. It's fun to watch. Visually pleasing. Yeah, they, it's it's well shot. It's a pretty well constructed challenge. They have underwater cameras. Yep. Once the yeah, that's true. This is maybe the no, it's not the first time with underwater cameras. But they had the holding breath in season one. Yep. But it's the first time using it in like this active of a challenge, which I appreciate. Yeah. The ocean makes for better challenges. It's true. It really does. Yep. At Mana Amu, after this tribe, everyone's realizing it's gonna rain. Vesipio wants to get the roof done, and Sarah feels the need to chime in here. Mm. Sarah wants to have it done her way. Yeah. Has been saying for days that we need to do this. Well, it wasn't a priority then, but now it's a priority, so everyone's going to do it. Sarah wants it known that everyone, that she said that this was a priority days ago. And continues to be like, no, you have to do it this way. Can I get some support here? Like Our second... Uh, our second take of you're right and you're being an asshole so nobody cares that you're right. Yeah. The one point that Sarah has that I can understand her being very frustrated by is like, I had this idea three days ago, everyone ignored me, 
But now Hunter has this great idea and everyone does it. And there's also the gender dynamics there mm -hmm. of, oh yeah, the, the big, the big loud leader guy took my idea I had three days ago and now is getting all the credit for it. You're a hundred percent correct. Like that is the way that it has happened. Yeah. However, you can't react that way in nope. a game about social dynamics. Well, nobody's going to like, nobody's going to listen to you if you're just berating them. Yeah. That's not how you get through to people. Yeah. It's, it'll make you feel better. <laughs> It's not gonna. It's not gonna do good things for you. It's it's awful, and Gina's losing patience with Sarah. Yeah, everyone's losing patience with Sarah, but Gina's the most vocal about it. Yep. And yeah, Sarah keeps trying to call the shots, but no one listens. Great. Immunity. This is a food challenge. Fuck this challenge. <laughs> this is what I hinted at at the beginning. They had to eat fafaru, but they had to do it bobbing for apples style. Jeff called it a delicacy. Like, I want to know more about that. Yeah. Is this actually a delicacy? Or is it, like, is it something that was, like, important culturally or, or religiously? Or do they, like, do they enjoy it? It's disgusting. I, do they, is this one of those, like, hey, the stupid tourists are coming. We got to get them to do the stupid thing. Is this Marquesas Malort? You just make the out-of-towners do it? Oh, that's funny. So, Fafaru is is fish, crab, and lobster marinated in seawater. That's They blend this all together, and it's marinated over days, for three days. And then they pour it over rotting sea-baked fish. Or, sorry, not sea-baked, sun-baked fish. Yeah. I really hope they gave them, like, anti-parasite medication after this. <laughs> it smells terrible. And they have to bob for it. I couldn't do this challenge. I would I would straight up not. There is some some hardcore gagging in this. Uh-huh. I mean, don't get me wrong. The other food challenges were hard, but I have a really strong sense of smell. Mm-hmm. Smells bother me. Sure. I can smell on people's breath when they are hungry. Okay. Not to 100% efficiency. Like, I don't smell every time somebody's hungry, but every time I smell they're, they, they are hungry, they are, and they'd be very hungry. Usually it's people I'm, like, intimate with because... That's the only people I'm getting close enough to smell that on their breath. Can you smell colors? Yes. <laughs> oh, no. okay, God. No, no, I cannot. Uh, except the one time I did hardcore LSD. Hey! Um, <laughs> find out if that's a joke. <laughs> I've, I've, I have smelled it on the train before, on like a packed train, and that's horrible. I would just vomit from smelling this. I could not do it. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's disgusting. And the flies. The, All the flies. There's so many flies. So I was trying to, like, go through this in my brain of how, how to best describe this. And funny that you, you mentioned Malort. Mm -hmm. I happen to have something in my pocket here, Jared. Uh-huh. Describe what that is. That's Malort. That That's is a Malort. shooter of Malort I made you. This is from a four-pack where I made you drink one of them with me uh, on New Year's Eve. Yeah. So I thought in my brain, since those of us who... We've, we've talked about it. We... We understand what this is. It's a grapefruit liqueur. I figured we do a quick rock, paper, scissors. Loser has to take it and describe the feeling, because this is exactly the feeling that I saw watching that episode. Are you in? Yeah. All right. Uh, can we use your whatever you have there, that shake as a chaser? That is why I brought it. Great. <laughs> You're maniacal for this. I am maniacal. Way. You're welcome. So we are doing rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> this episode's going to be so long. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay, I'm going to go rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Yep. Got it? Uh, two out of three or just the, just one? Just the one. We got oh, time for one. Okay. Ready? Rock, rock paper, paper, scissors, scissors shoot. shoot. <laughs> All right. Steven loses. Well, this is better because this is better for the podcast because I have a higher tolerance for Malort than Steven does. True. And you mentioned at the start of the podcast that you're like, I don't like my stomach doesn't feel great. I'm like... It's unfortunate that I planned this already, isn't I it? I would have done it. Cool. So, here we have the more. Sorry, I'm just setting up my disaster here. Oh, I gotta shake this. Shake down, baby. I am gonna record you. Cool, do it. Maybe this will go on the Instagram I'm never launching, apparently. You gotta do it. Alright, we have our Malort. We have it down. <laughs> Three, two, one. Ah, oh, it tastes like battery acid. <laughs> <laughs> yes! It just makes you feel a horrible feeling inside. 
Keep describing it, Steven. This uh, is the audio medium. Like, my tongue is... It, it goes numb immediately, my tongue. Yes. And... Ugh. It just... Every breath is a new gang. It just uh, makes you feel bad. This is what Boston Rob was going through. <laughs> now, funny you should say that. I have fish that's been soaked in. No, I'm <laughs> uh, my nose hurts. Why does my nose hurt? <laughs> and even worse is it comes in waves. It does. It doesn't... It, nothing stays. It's just like... Uh, mm, uh, mm. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's sitting oh. in the middle of my tongue. And it just, it, it's almost like my tongue is being electrocuted by one of those little paddle things where you stick it on your arm and it flexes real hard. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, That's yeah. what that is. Cool. So that's what I was going for. Good bit. Thank you. You're welcome, me. <laughs> Good bit. Especially because I didn't have to do it. It's true. It's real funny. I hope, you have to send me that. I'll put it on our Twitter, if not the Instagram that you won't start. I'll start it eventually. <laughs> so we do this. Most everyone gets it down. Nyla, how do you say her name? Nylea? I don't know. Nayla? Nayla, Nyla. They said it and I keep forgetting. Nayla Amos. <laughs> struggles, but she gets it down. Boston Rob also struggles, cries a little bit, yeah. and gets it down. And at first I was like, oh, maybe he's, maybe he's playing this up in case of the tiebreaker. Nope. Nope. He could not do this. His gag reflex was something to see. Yeah. And, well, I, and they make them bob for it. They do. Oh, it, I, it's something about put, shoving your face in the rotted seawater. Like, mm. I uh, no. Just pick it up with your hands, shove it down. Tyler, your sex tape. <laughs> I feel so much for Rob right now. Like, th- I'm, I'm sorry, Rob. I get it. I don't, but I get it. So then everyone does it. Because it's a food challenge on Early Survivor, so everyone does it. So we have to go to a tiebreaker, which is just... How have they not learned yet that, like, everyone's going to succeed? It's the same thing three seasons in a row. Well, yeah, uh, no, not in a row, because Australia had a good one. Oh, you right. Australia had, like, they figured it out for Australia by making it a bunch of different things and having it be random instead of it always be the same thing. Sorry, you're right. It's three of four. Yeah. How did we figure it out and then go back? We... We don't learn from our mistakes, Jared. The That's bl- why I just did Malort. <laughs> That's true. The blood one I kind of understood because they were doing, and again, a really surprisingly good job. Give Survivor credit where credit is due. I, I, I bash on it a lot for its 2000-ish-ness. But d- did a really good job of respecting the local culture up until the AIDS hospital. <laughs> and I, so I understood the blood one. Mm-hmm. This doesn't make any sense. Nah. It could be so much better. It could be. It really could. So they have to do a finale tiebreaker again, and this time it's just more the same, but bigger. Yeah. <laughs> and Nylea gets it down. They both struggle in this. Boston Rob tiebreaker. vomits. Boston Rob throws up, and really that would have been the end of it, I think, unless Nylea also vomited. Yeah. But man. What do you do if they both vomit? <laughs> whoever ate the most i, I guess. guess i don't know how you would determine that though. he only had like a little nibble she got all of it down yeah. so speed baby speed kills yeah rob looked like he was actively dying yeah it, you could see the tears in his eyes through both of these sections which i think actually helped him quite a bit like there's no i mean not that he was ever gonna get voted off anyway mm-hmm. but you can tell how hard he's trying yeah. nobody could question his effort there yeah so Rob thinks that Rob knows he blew it and we then have to have a conversation about, all right, who's going home? Yeah. <laughs> Sean thinks it's him or Sarah. Yeah. Which is interesting that he would say that. Like, I, I get it from a, a paranoia standpoint of what w- tied into what he was talking about earlier mm-hmm. and the conversations about him being lazy that were being brought in. Yeah. Again, and not, Hunter's confronted him. Not justified, but yeah. interesting that he would say that. Hunter comes up to Boston Rob and talks to him about Sarah. Says, don't let this ruin your home life. I didn't catch that. He's trying to, like, get him to ditch Sarah and, like, not let Sarah ruin his life at home. And not let Sarah ruin his persona on this show. 
Yeah, he's a little condescending. 100% a little condescending. Yeah! He thinks he knows what's right for everyone. It's crazy. So we get to tribal. This is an interesting tribal. It it's is. the most fiery tribal I think I've seen beyond a final four, or final two tribal. Sure. This is... It's spicy. Incredibly spicy for this early in the game. People are throwing things around. Trisha, we could do so much better. Sarah, we're all adults. We don't need to be told what to do. Uh-huh. Sean, the daily grind is wearing me down. So I don't have a whole lot of energy. And Sarah saying, I'm not doing as much. I'm saving energy for later on in the game and in challenges. And my head went, I'm sorry? Yeah, that's did you just Did you just admit to not doing much? In, in On one hand, there's merit in calling a spade a spade. Mm-hmm. No, everyone thinks you're not doing as much and denying it does not help you. Saying saving it for later in the game, though? Stupid. Very stupid. So stupid. And Rob saying, if people want to vote me out tonight, I understand why. Spoken like a man who knows he's not going home. Oh, uh, well, yeah. <laughs> yes. Any thoughts about this tribal? It's it's interesting. I, I think what you said about it being fiery is really the biggest point. Mm. There's clear division in the tribe, but the divi- who who is on what side of it is still a little ambiguous. And their reasons for it are a little ambiguous, or at least not locked in stone. Yeah. Like when we think when I think back to season three, the Samburu tribe, their division was a hard line. <laughs> you knew where everyone stood. Yeah. But, you know, looking at the list of people on Maramu, like, we know that Gina doesn't like Sarah. We know that Hunter doesn't like Sarah. So we know, like, those two people are probably going to continue to not like Sarah, Mm -hmm. especially with the preview to next episode. And we know that Rob's going to fight for Sarah. And that Sean and Rob are kind of together. But there's still, like, Vesepia seems kind of aligned to Hunter, but not really, like, locked in and could be swayed. And there's no... I don't know. It seems There's still a lot of moving and shaking, even Mm -hmm. though the tribe is divided. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see this as a tribe that is going to be one of these big losers and continue to lose? Or do you think they find a way to turn this around? I feel like they're going to find a way to turn this around. I'm going to use season two as evidence of this. Okay. We've gotten to know row two hardly at all. Mm Mm-hmm. And I remember talking in about the Colby and uh, the Colby tribe, Colby and Tina tribe in Ogakor. That was their name. Yeah. In season two and being like, we are only seeing them and they don't have as many people. So how does this flip? And it does. We're only two episodes in. It could change. But I just, we haven't seen enough of Rotu to where like, I feel like a winner can come out of Rotu. Okay. Without, that could change next episode. Because next episode could be entirely a row two episode. They've given us a little bit. It isn't as bad as it was in season two. <laughs> but like, if I if I put a gun to your head and asked you what the name of the person on row two is that starts with a P, do you even know it? On row two? Yeah. No. Pascal. Oh, sure. Like, we don't know how to say Nyla's name. That's true. That's a good point. I can't argue with that. So I, I, I feel like Mara Amu has to turn it around. Okay. I like it. Yeah. Nice. Uh, so this is a a very close vote. Patricia gets four votes and is voted out. But yeah. it's four to three. Patricia was voted by Vesipia, Sean, Sarah, and Rob. Sarah was voted by Hunter, Patricia, and Gina. Mm-hmm. So the lines are there. Yeah. But it, like you said, it's not queer cut like last season was. Yeah, nobody's opposed. Nobody, except for maybe like Sarah and Hunter. Mm-hmm. Like nobody's opposed to each other. Yeah. How do you think Patricia would do on a modern survivor? Terrible. Cool. I don't. I mean, one thing I will say is in the beginning of the episode, I was like, hell yeah, Patricia. Like, you are, you are strong. Like, you are, like, you are obviously physically fit. Like, you are obviously doing good work around the tribe now. You've picked yourself up. Maybe there's a brighter future for you. And then she immediately got bossy. And I was like, well, there goes that. And we've lost it. And we've lost it. So, yeah. If she... I just don't think the changing of 
survivor changes who she is and her bossiness. And it doesn't get any easier for bossy people in the in 41 on. No. Like I'm saying, Boston Rob needs to figure out his pep talks because he is over <laughs> two here. That's Boston Rob should start a service where he goes to your worst enemy and gives them a pep talk. <laughs> oh man. How who is your protagonist? Well, okay, before we do that, there's not a whole lot on Patricia. Patricia I mean like you said, isn't coming back. Yeah. But she she reveals that Sarah wasn't as lazy as she looked. And oh, shocking. Like, the fish was vile. I don't like fish, but, like, whatever. But interesting moment from this interview. When you saw Rob puking, what'd you think? Like, I knew I was gone. As soon as Rob started throwing up, like, I was like, there it is. I'm done. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. And... I figured it was either me or Sarah, and I sensed it would be one vote that would break the camel's back. And she was right. Yeah, that makes I mean, sense. Okay. I mean, Vesepia could have gone either way, so that makes a lot of sense. Good point. Yeah, I don't, I'm not really loving the Sarah is a liability edit. Mm-hmm. I don't, especially hearing that, like, I was getting the impression that she's not as lazy. I, I, I think lazy for this tribe is a placeholder for obedience. Hmm. And I, okay, th- sorry, this is an interesting article too she lost a lot of weight not necessarily on the show it doesn't say how much she lost but it says between the being on the island and the reunion show she lost 68 pounds wow Hmm. that's a lot of weight for being on an island for six days well i think everyone stayed on the island the whole time remember they said they yeah they had you're fed better when you're not yes Imagine if you still had to just do the survival part of Survivor for 39 days that either way. That would be insane. <laughs> no, no thank you. <laughs> Any protagonist of the episode? Yeah, I mean, it's Sarah. I, I, I want it to be Sean because of the very important conversation, but that's really kind of all we get of Sean, except for herder lazy black man. But Sarah is the one that is in the crosshair uh, she's the one starting the fights about the roof. And it, you could make an argument for Patricia, but she doesn't really do anything. Besides, I mean, she bosses people around. Yeah. But she's not playing any type of, like, social game. She's not really trying to save her own skin. It is weird to me that the older people on the show... And I'm, I'm excluding season one because season one is its own anomaly, but in two, three, and four, it is a trend that the older people on the show focus way more on the survival part of the show than the social game part of the show. They see that as they're in. Yeah. Because if, if they can't be the physical competition-based person, I'm going to be the survivalist. I'm yeah. going to help these people. I'm going to command these people. Yeah. <laughs> cool. That's all I have. Let's bumper. Bumper, I hardly know her. I've made that joke before. I've definitely made that joke before. That'll do it for this episode of the Survivor Turning Back Time podcast. Jared and I are going to go walk into that room. I'm going to have a slice of cold pizza because I'm feeling a little buzzed off of that one shot. Am I lightweight? When's the last time you ate? I had an egg roll. In front of your face. Yeah, but besides, egg roll's not a meal. Yeah, okay, it was like 9 a.m. Yeah, no, that's fine. Okay, you, cool. Taking a shot on an empty stomach will wreck you. Nice. Okay. Yeah, we're gonna go do that. <laughs> My tongue is still like buzzing a little bit. <laughs> Malort's bad, man. Malort's real bad. <laughs> Malort's real bad. Anything you want to promote? Yeah, um, I haven't done this one in a while, um, but I part of the reason my life is a three-tiered dumpster fire is I'm directing, and I'm loving every minute of directing, mm-hmm. but as I've told Steven off mic, I'm basically in executive function mode three days a week from 8 a.m. until 10.30 p.m., hmm. so I am a tired, tired boy, <laughs> but that show opens if you're in the Chicagoland area on February 17th, runs until March 3rd, it is uh, Midsummer Night's Dream. It's, uh, it's very gay. I made it very, I made it, <laughs> I made it real gay. I can go on a whole rant about how, like, that show is 
screaming and crying to get out of 16th century or 17th century England politics and wants to be non-binary and gay. Uh, and so it should be. And so it is. <laughs> I love that. One of my <laughs> actors put, I, we have a, sor- a short little sword fight in there. There's a picture of them and they put it on the on their Instagram story. Like, come see this show and watch me be gay and hold sword. <laughs> I was like, yes. Be gay, do crime, do sword. <laughs> be gay, do sword. <laughs> I'm going to promote playing games for yourself. Just like hmm. taking time, do fun things. I'm not one that says you have to finish a game. I just finished Pokemon Scarlet. No, Pokemon Violet. Future, future one. I just finished Pokemon Violet as Jared walked in the door. So that was fun. Now to start a new adventure. Fire Emblem. Fire Emblem. Toothpaste Chan. Toothpaste Chan. Yeah. I am I am going to continue to work on Disco Elysium because Jared will not let me live that down. If no, I don't. it's so good. It is very good. But also, like, don't feel like you have to do these things. Do it because you like them. Except for Disco Elysium. Do it because you have to. For my co-host Jared, this is Steven. For my host Disco, this is Jared. My tongue. Will this ever go away? No. This is your life now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.